Ladies, welcome back to the third of our four-part Advent Retreat Series, Prepare Your Heart for Him, hosted by The Genius Project. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, and it is my great joy and privilege to be able to host and facilitate this Advent Retreat Series for you. We know that Advent is a season of preparation. So as you're journeying closer and closer towards Christmas, realize that you are already in the season of a new year, a new liturgical year in the church. And quite often at the beginning of a new year, we look at resolutions. We look at all the things that we want to change or that we want to do differently next year. We want to leave behind those things that weren't serving us well or the year that we had that wasn't a winner and we want to go into a new year with a clean slate so to speak we want to be refreshed and we want to begin anew in advent we wait we prepare and we reflect on the ways in which the lord is inviting us to start anew for the ways in which he's wanting to refresh and restore us Ladies, I'd love to invite you to join us inside the Catholic Women's Masterclass in the new year. If you're wanting to begin 2022 on the front foot, if you're wanting to be really intentional and go into next year living a life of balance and wholeness in Christ, then I'd love to extend an invitation to you to join us inside the Catholic Women's Masterclass. Now, this Catholic Women's Masterclass by the Genius Project is a four-month journey of transformation. We walk through a number of rhythms of renewal that you can establish in your life so that you can live a life of wholeness and balance in Christ and you can grow into the fullness of who he has created you to be. We are beginning two new groups at the end of January. So if you would like to be a part of this incredible community of Catholic women who are journeying together, then I invite you to send me an email at karen at geniusproject.co. Ladies, it is my great joy to welcome Megan Kozak. Megan's going to share with you some very practical ways in which you can prepare your heart for Christ this Christmas and how you can set some boundaries and prepare space for Christ in your key relationships. Enjoy. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us for this Advent retreat, Prepare Our Hearts for Him. It's so wonderful to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me to be part of it. I'm delighted. Well, we recently had you on the Genius Podcast and you gave a fabulous episode, which actually was one of the hands down favorites, looking at relationships, boundaries, how we can be good stewards over our lives, because that is your background and your specialty is in relationships, education and counseling. And so today in this third talk in our Genius Advent series, we're going to be looking at, I guess, our boundaries as women and how we can walk into Christmas preparing our hearts for the Lord, but also doing that and ministering to those, walking with those that are in our sphere of influence. Exactly. How exciting. Can't wait. It's going to be good. You always, everything that you say is gold. So I'm going to throw right over to you and allow you to take the floor. And then at the end, we'll come back and have a bit of a chat. So thank you again. Thank you. Lovely. Oh, it's just such a pleasure to get to be here and to be working with you again, Karen, and to be speaking to all of the women who'll be listening and watching. 
Christmas is just my favorite time of the year and it always has been. So the music, the food, the Hallmark movies, just every, every part of it. And then the pinnacle is Christmas Eve mass for me. I just, it brings me such delight. And I love the waiting season of Advent. I think I love that anticipation even more than the day itself. There's something like that gives me goosebumps and joy more than anything else. I think during the whole year, it's just divine. But I think also this preparation time, it can be a season of stress and of worry for some people as well, because there's some anxiety sometimes around how to manage difficult relationships and obligatory social situations. And unless we are intentional about how we spend our time, our energy, even our money, it can be a season of exhaustion instead of a season of joy. Now, I was lucky enough to be a reader on Mass at Mass on Sunday, and I read the second reading. And so I read this little phrase out to the congregation from Philippians, and I want to share it with you today because it just spoke to my heart. I read out to them, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and mind in Jesus Christ. And I just thought it was so beautiful. It was like breathing fresh air. You know, it was just gorgeous. Now, here is what St. Paul's letter to the Philippians doesn't say. It does not say panic buy, spend more money than you can afford, attend events out of obligation, make small talk with people who make you feel bad about yourself, survive the season and regroup in the new year. No, It does not say that at all. It says rejoice and feel the peace of God in this season. And so that's really what we're here to talk about today. So yes, it's about challenging relationships. Yes, it's about boundaries. But really, it's about how to create an Advent season of joy and peace while negotiating all of the different logistical and relationship aspects of preparing for Christmas. How exciting. So... I want to show you an image. Okay, now I'm going to share my screen where I'm going to try really hard to and do it smoothly for those of you who are watching. You ready? So here we go. This is a beautiful image and it is of a woman. It's by a Canadian artist and photographer called Noelle Mirabella. Isn't that perfect for Christmas, Noelle? Now, for those of you who are listening and not watching, I want to describe it for you. So there is a woman who is kneeling down in a beautiful blue dress and she is holding a baby in her arms and her face is touching the face of this little boy. Now, on her back is this enormous Hessian bag, about three times bigger than she is really. And in that bag, she is carrying everything, everything you could imagine as a woman. She is carrying a mop. She's carrying needle and thread. She's carrying an overdue electricity bill notice. She's carrying a laptop. She's carrying an image of a woman with a tiny waist and bathroom scales. She's carrying pots and pans and fabric and medication and self-help books jammed right in the middle where you think there'd be no more space. And then a hundred tiny little other things that you can barely even see. Now, the artist who created this strung every piece by hand from the ceiling to make it look as though this woman is carrying it. And it really does. You can see the weight of all of this that this woman is carrying. And for her, for the artist, for Noelle, it was an image of motherhood. 
And I just see it. I see it so clearly. But I think for us now, it can be a beautiful representation of Advent for women. Now, Advent is a holy and sacred time. But for women, it is also a time that can be exhausting. So it is a time where we are the magic makers. So whether we are mothers or whether we are in a relationship or whether we are single women, we are still considered to be the ones who will be the helpers in the kitchen, make sure the shepherd's outfit is ready on the bed, make sure that we've got everything that we need, that there's a spare gift under the tree just in case that extra person shows up at your table on Christmas Day. All of the things that make this season magical come from somewhere, and so often it's us as women. And not only do we do all of those quiet, silent things behind the scenes, but we do it while trying to look beautiful, while trying to be a gracious host, while trying to make it seem seamless and easy. And that is a lot to carry. So I, I can just so recommend looking up this beautiful artist, Noelle Mirabella. I want, it's oh, so beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. I just love it. Okay. So you might be this insanely busy person, okay, organizing everything, every single aspect of it. And you might love that. That might bring you absolute joy. And if that's you, more power to you. Great, brilliant. Alternatively, you might feel a little bit overwhelmed about how to fit everything in while making everything magical, while trying to deal with difficult relationships and not knowing how or where to make changes. So I want to take you through a process that I use with clients all the time, especially in the lead up to Christmas. Oh my goodness. The number of conversations I've had that look like this are extraordinary. It has three steps. So step one, I value. Step two, so I need. And step three, I will honor that by. So I'm going to walk you through. So step one is I value. So I want you to stop and think if you're listening in the car or you're going for a walk or you're watching this, just take a minute and think, what do you love and value most about the season of Advent? That thing that just makes your heart sing. So if you are filling a jar full of rocks and every rock is a hope, a dream, an activity, a person, an event for Advent, these values of yours, these are the big rocks. They're the ones that you put in first. These are the ones where you identify your core intention for the season, your mantra, your focus, whatever you want to call it. For me in this season, it is four words, peaceful heart, joyful memories. That's it. They're my big rocks. Now, they're in that order for a reason <laughs> because in order to be the magic maker who brings joy, to myself, my husband, my family, my friends. I need to have a peaceful heart first. Otherwise, I have nothing to give. So step one, what do you value? What are your core values, your mantra for the beginning? And write those down. Once you have them, so I've got two, peaceful heart, joyful memories. Once you have those values, each one of them, you break down and you have a look, okay, with that value, well, what do I need? If I was going to turn that value into some kind of an action, not just some lofty idea or hope, what would I need? 
And this is where it starts to get tricky. So I want to have a peaceful heart and I want to create joyful memories for myself and my husband and my children. It can be really tricky to identify needs sometimes because we confuse them with shoulds. And I do this all the time. Oh my goodness. I have grown up with the idea that I am a good girl and I do all of the things that need to happen for all of the people who need them. If there is a should, it is in my basket and I am on my way. And so when I'm looking at needs, yes, you too, Karen, should, should is unite. Yeah. So it's so hard. We've actually got to put them down and identify then, okay, we're not talking about shoulds today. We're talking about your values and then what you need. So let me walk you through it. If I value having a peaceful heart, I actually need time alone to pray and to exercise. And that means time away from my children. I feel like there should be like a dun, dun, dun music here because how selfish does that sound? As soon as I even think it, the shoulds just, they flood into my mind. And I think it's school holidays. I'm only going to get 18 summers with my children. It's Christmas time. There are 17 million things I should be doing to be the good mother, wife, daughter, friend, everything I should be doing right now. How is it possible that I could tell myself it's okay to have time alone? So insert whatever societal or family of origin expectation you have there. Those ones are just mine. The thing here with we get to I needs is we don't actually have to solve the problem right now. We just have to identify the needs. So I value a peaceful heart, so I need time alone. We'll sort out how in a minute. Now, the other one of my values is making joyful memories. If I want to do that, I need to intentionally create environments that bring joy to me and to my family. Now, this environment may or may not be with family and it may or may not be participating in traditional events. For this to happen, I need to be really clear about my boundaries around people, around time, around events, around where I go, how much money I spend and what I choose to do with my resources. Tricky. So if I value a peaceful heart and joyful memories, I need quiet time and clear boundaries around how to manage this season so that it is joyful. Now, the third one is where the rubber hits the road because so far it's just a really nice idea, okay? When you get to step three, is where we go, I will honour this by. This is where you have to take a deep breath. You have to summon up your courage. You have to pray hard and discern well so that you can intentionally manage this season. And you have to recognise that it's going to disappoint people. And that's really hard. But it's so worth it, I promise you. So stick with me for this last step, okay? You need to act with love all the way through this. I'm going to walk you through a couple of examples that link into my values to make it a bit easier to understand. So I value a peaceful heart, okay, and I need quiet time. We've got that far. That makes sense. How do I honour that need? So I am an introvert. I love my children. I have two little daughters who are seven and nine, and they are growing faster than I could have imagined, and I drink up my time with them. But I'm an introvert. And they are delightful, joyful noisemakers, and they are exhausting. So I have to understand that even though there will be 
perceived judgment and a bucket load of mummy guilt that comes with me when I say I need time away from my children in the lead up to Christmas, that has to be okay. Because I'm not talking about taking a two-week solo vacation. I'm talking about taking one hour a day to fill up my cup so that I have something to pour into theirs. That's how it works. That's what I need. And to be honest, it doesn't always work. I try every day, but there are days where it all just falls apart, where instead of my husband or my family or someone helping me out or even the joy of a Christmas movie and me hiding in my room journaling for an hour, it just falls to pieces. And we take a deep breath and we go, that's okay because there's always tomorrow. But at least I know that there is a tomorrow with this possibility coming. It's not just an indefinite time. And sometime in the future, one day, someday, maybe I'll get a chance to breathe. It's no, no, every day there's something set aside. There's enough in the tank that I can do this well. And because of that, I am a happier woman. I am a friendlier, kinder, more gracious human being. And I am a much better mum when I am honouring that value and that need. So as you look at your needs, as you look at your values, as you see them and you go, I think that's what I need, but I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed to do that at this season, during Advent, near Christmas, with small children, whatever your reasoning is, give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to honour that need. I want to then give you another example here, and this is about making joyful memories. And this is where the relationships really come to the fore. And I have no doubt that you're going to be hearing some of these and thinking, oh my gosh, that's my life. So just stay tuned with me, okay? If I value making joyful memory, I know I need to create environments that bring joy. And I have to do that by setting boundaries. Now, boundaries is a word that really divides people, I have found. Some people love it. They hear it and they're like, yes, give me more. Tell me more about Brene and Glennon and all of the things that are to do with boundaries. I'm in it, I'm for it. Other people hate it. They hear the word, word and they have an almost visceral reaction to it and they say, don't say, don't say the B word to me again, I'm done, I'm out. Can we just all get along? Now, I want to explain it and unpack it for you a little bit so that we're all on the same page about what it is that I'm talking about. It can seem funny to connect joy with boundaries because we see boundaries as a way to keep people out, but that's not really what it is. They're sort of two sides of the same coin to experience joy we have to create environments that foster joy. And the way that we do that is by having clear boundaries. So they're not some mythical, magical thing. They're simply what is okay and what isn't okay. And that changes depending on your season of life, depending on what you need, depending on the seasons of life of the people who you're interacting with. It's like a boundary on a piece of land so you think of the house that, you're, that you live in, you're owning or renting, whatever it is. It might have a fence around the piece of land and then it has an entryway. It has a gate somewhere and that's what lets things in and lets things out, okay? You choose what is inside your boundary. You choose your values, your needs, your hopes, your desires. You choose everyone and everything who comes into that space and everyone and everything that you let out of that space. Now, sometimes we don't know that someone has crossed a boundary until we feel really uncomfortable. Something's happened and we're like, oh, 
something's wrong with that conversation or this person or the amount of time that I'm here. Something will happen and we'll just feel something to do. It feels uncomfortable or worrying. And that's a little cue for us to go, oh, someone has entered my space without my permission or they're trampling on my garden without my permission. I didn't, I didn't say it was okay for that person to be here for this long, to make that joke, to say that thing in front of my children, to expect that thing from me whatever it is, that could be kind of a cue that our boundaries have been crossed or an idea that maybe there wasn't a boundary there to begin with. So often if we come from a family of origin, which is quite enmeshed, our boundaries are really blurry. So it's kind of like having a whole lot of houses on the same street, but no fences in between them. Everybody can wander in and out of each other's yards and just assume that that's okay with everybody else. And so if you're there suddenly or even slowly trying to put up a little boundary it can make the other people on your street feel really uncomfortable and be like, hang on a second, what was wrong with the way that we had it? So you can expect as you walk through this season of creating boundaries that there will be a little bit of discomfort or disappointment pushback. And that's okay because your space inside your boundary is sacred and it is sacred for you and for your family. You choose who comes in and who comes out. And that's a real gift that only you can give. Now, in the lead up to Christmas time, almost every conversation I have with clients is about family or family in law, just at the moment, how to manage it, what to do, how to have the difficult conversations. And it can be beautiful to connect with family. I, I love it. It's wonderful. But it can also be hard, especially if there aren't those clear boundaries. Sometimes with our family of origin, and you might notice this yourself, when we connect back with them, we revert back to our childhood roles without even really thinking. So if we were the peacekeeper growing up or if we were the clown, if we were the good girl growing up, we might just slip back into that family dynamic when we meet them again. For some people that's comfortable and delightful and all they've known and they're very happy to be there. For other people, they've worked really, really hard to step out of that role. And so when they come back into that family of origin, and they suddenly find themselves in that position again, it can be really challenging to know what to do and can make it difficult to enjoy one another's company as adults who have grown and changed and have now got more to offer the world than what they see. So how do you manage it? You have to set up a boundary ahead of time. If you get to Christmas Day and everybody assumes the same thing's going to be happening as it's always happened and you get there and you announce to everybody, hi, everyone, Merry Christmas. <clears throat> I have some boundaries I'd like to uh, just let you know about. Um, I, I, trust me now, it, this is not going to go well, okay? So you've got to set it up ahead of time. You've got to give people the chance to, to breathe, to respond, to understand, to make change and to have a little bit of grieving as well if they need to. So give people time, give people a little bit of a heads up before this happening. So this, this may be enough time for you to do this before this Christmas or it might be a chance for you to do a bit of a stock take this Christmas and then get ready to set up for next year's Advent. Now, there are many different things that we set boundaries around with our family, with relationships, with all sorts of different things. I want to unpack two for you that are really, really common right now. Time and gift giving and how to manage these two. And I'm going to tell you a couple of stories successes and failures. So you can set a boundary around the amount of time that you set, that you spend with people. You are allowed to do that. 
Just because someone in your family tells you that Christmas lunch goes all day does not mean that you are obligated to be there all day. If that brings you joy, if your whole family gets so much out of it, wonderful, enjoy, have the best day, cut the turkey, drink the champagne, have a great time. If the idea of that means that your values, those things that are so core, those big rocks for you, that they get washed away or they get pushed out of the way for someone else's value, then you need to stop and have a bit of a thing. Go, okay, what do I value? What do I need? Okay, I'm going to honour that. And I'm going to honour that by the amount of time I spend at different places. So I'll give you an example. My eldest daughter is nine now. She's, I cannot believe it. She's so old. When she was first born, she's a November baby. Her first Christmas, she was six weeks old. Now, she was the first grandchild. She was the first niece. She was in high demand. We were, like, invited to every Christmas party on the Southern Hemisphere. We were just, it was a cute city, right? We loved it. It was beautiful. And all of them, almost all of them, were colliding on Christmas Day. And we thought, that's fine. We can totally, totally make that happen. So we did Christmas as the three of us at home. Then we went to a brunch for my sister-in-law. Then we went to lunch with my extended family. And then we went to dinner with my family of origin. We squeezed in everything. And in between, we were managing nappy changes and breastfeeding and a six-week-old baby with lunatics. By the end of the day, she was cranky and exhausted and hot. I was just a nervous wreck. And nobody enjoyed it. Nobody. They, could, they couldn't cuddle a happy baby because she was crying and she only wanted me. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to go home and be in bed and be recovering after birthing a child six weeks ago. I just, it was too much. It was too much. But we were doing it because we thought we should. We were doing it because everybody else had asked us to do this and this is when it was on. And so we said, okay. And we just kept saying yes instead of no, I'm sorry, we can't this year. And we think no is a bad word. No is your friend. <laughs> no is your, your gateway to boundaries sometimes, and it's so important. So we had to get to the end of that time and go, oh, my gosh, we can't, we can't do this again. This can't be our life every Christmas. This is not fair to us, our kids, or the people that we're trying to spend time with want to love on us. And so we had to make some really big decisions. So we had a really tough conversation with my sister-in-law and we said, we love you and we love spending time with you. And we love that you want to have a connection with our daughters. That's so important to us. We just can't do it on Christmas day. We just can't make it happen. I'm so sorry. Is there another day that we could do this and have a brunch so that we honor you and we honor us? And she was really disappointed. She was really disappointed. And that was really hard because you want nothing more than to make the people you love feel happy and joyful. And so when you say no, there is grief there because there is a loss of something. There is a loss or a death of an expectation, a hope, a tradition, something that was there that someone somewhere had hoped for. But the thing is, there is a loss and a death either way. So if we had said yes and continued to see her amongst everything else on Christmas Day, the loss would have been on that day. We would not have been able to engage. She would not have had the moment with our kids. So we chose to say, okay, it is a loss. It is a death, but there's a rebirth. Let's make a new tradition. Let's make two days before Christmas your day. 
will be there with you. The focus is with you. We will have a brunch that will last because you love time. We'll be there for four hours for brunch. That could have been an all-day situation. We'll just, we'll keep on going. It'll be delightful. We will have joy together. And so that's what we're doing and it's beautiful. But it took a little bit of negotiation. Now, my other example for you here is to do with gifts. I have a beautiful mum who is a gift giver. If you could have a look at the love languages and see the gift giving, if there was a scale of gift giving, she would like tip the scale. She would be off the end. She loves it, every part of it. So she finds gifts throughout the year for our children and just scurries them away and then brings them out on Christmas. And when we had two, we've got two little daughters, and when they were quite little, they would have been maybe like two and four or three and five, I remember going over to her house for Christmas and just feeling as though I had to wade through the gifts to get to the Christmas tree that was submerged somewhere beneath. It was like the star was pointing out on the top. It was unbelievable. And my dad would just shake his head and say, come on in, find a spot wherever you can. And my mum would be glowing with joy that she had just found 72 gifts for every person in the room. And it was just so tricky because it was all out of love. It was all out of love. But I had to get to her and have a conversation with her. And I did it in January because I knew she'd go to the sales. So I went to her and I said, okay, um, I just love how much you love our daughters. Thank you so much. It is such a gift that they get to have you and dad. I love the connection that they're bringing. And I love how much you love them through gifts. That is such a beautiful thing that you bring. That's not my love language. So I'm so glad they get to have that from you. Here's the thing. The number of gifts they're getting from Nanny and Poppy far outweigh the number of gifts they're getting from Santa Claus and mummy and daddy and all of their other relatives combined. This is a problem. They're not able to enjoy them. They're getting them all on one day and instead of unwrapping one and having a delightful, joyous playtime with them, they're going great and chucking it and grabbing the next one. And so I was like, that doesn't fit with my value around how I want to raise our kids and how they really appreciate and have gratitude for these different parts of the day. Would it be okay if we set a cap number of gifts that you buy for our kids? that be okay and she was a little bit hurt because there was loss and change there it took her a day and a day later she called me and she said you know what I think I get it what if we have a cap if I stick to five gifts per child now to be honest sometimes she's chucked little gifts inside a box and called it one so I don't know that it's been a total win however she even went further and said what if we also do it on another day so it's not like they receive all of these gifts at once on Christmas day We'll have a special nanny and poppy day and we'll give them their special gifts. Then a couple of days later, we'll do Christmas. And then that day can be all about you and St. Nicholas or Santa Claus and whatever you want to do there. Would that be okay? And I was floored. I never thought that that would be a possibility. It was glorious and so generous of her. And it means now we have this season where everybody gets to have their values met, where everybody gets to have their needs met and where everybody's boundaries are respected because of that but it only happens because of some difficult conversations that need to happen first. Now, your conversations might not be about gifts. You may not have a crazy gift giver in your family. I don't know. Yours might be about timing. Yours might be about the kind of jokes that people make at Christmas. Yours might be about the amount of money that you spend on a secret Santa. It might be about the number of places you travel in one day. Here's my word for you. Say no without guilt so that you can say yes without resentment. I think Brene Brown says it beautifully. She says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. You want to be kind to yourself 
want to be kind to your family. You want to be kind to the people that you're connecting with and you want to love them. So when you set a boundary, you don't say everything you're doing is wrong and I hate it. You say, thank you for all of the things that you're trying to do. I see it and I accept all the love. You might need to do it slightly differently in order for this to be something that works for everybody. So as you're going through your, resent, your, your resentment, goodness me, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? As you're going through <laughs> your Advent season, I want you to think of these three steps. I value, so I need, and I will honour that. Bye. Really beautiful. Thank you, Megan. I um I love how you've done those three steps. I think they're actually really, really helpful because I think you touch on something here, and I think it's true for many women, that we become the perpetual givers. And so we're giving dry um, without replenishing our own well, our own soul. And in the midst of the giving, we actually lose sight of what we value. Like I, I've met many women who don't even know what their dreams are, what their goals are, what they even enjoy to do, you know, in this free time anymore, because they're constantly just giving, giving, giving. And so it's about maintaining, coming back to this central place, but it's also about encountering Christ within us. Like that is the central place that we're going from. And I think boundaries is a tricky subject because we have like, there is the secular kind of notion of boundaries. It's like, look after you, number one, happiness for you, more empowerment to you. We compare that with like, I guess, a Catholic, a Christian approach to boundaries. Boundaries is important in both fields. But when we're looking at it from this point of view of our faith and through the lens of faith, what we're saying is we're really valuing the image of God within us, Christ within us, and we're also valuing the image of God within another. So it's not actually being selfish. It is identifying needs and values, but doing that through the lens of our faith. And so... One thing I do want to pick up on is sometimes like I have encountered people who are very who pride themselves on their boundaries, but those boundaries can actually then be an excuse for selfishness and self-centeredness to, to flip the whole thing on its head. That can also happen. And so I think as we go into Christmas, this idea of boundaries is very important because we lose our peace. We lose a sense of Christ within us when we're trying to meet everybody's needs. And I think women do this particularly. But then it's also sort of asking the Lord, I guess, the areas where we need to put up those boundaries, where he wants us to, I guess, reclaim some space with him to have healthier relationships. And then also asking, what can I reasonably give to others? So what can I give to the sister-in-law or the mother or the brother-in-law that's reasonable for me and my family during this time? And, and how is that going to honor myself? So I think it, it, what you've given us some really great and beautiful practical tools and insights into how we approach Christmas and how we can prepare for Christ to come into us at Christmas through, I guess, our actions in our key relationships. It's really, really important. Yeah. You. Yes, you're so right. About, yes, all of that. It's the image of God. I think you've just nailed it there. It's the image of God in me and the image of God in you and how we honour them both at the same time. Absolutely. And I think, you know, every single person we encounter is a little glimpse of Christ coming to us in the world. And so when we're looking at and when we're encountering other people, I think if we can do that from the position of, you know, approaching them, 
from Christ within us, Christ within them, and how we can love them. And this idea yeah. of love, I think I just also want to pick up on because in our the secular world, you know, love is this feeling you feel. But we know that as women of faith, like this idea of love is often a decision that we make sometimes in spite of how we're feeling. But like you said, it's to give our yes, to give our no in a way that honors that image of Christ. So absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Megan, thank you so much. Thank Can you. I ask you to say a prayer just over the women in this area and over their relationships as they come into Christmas? And in the journal for this week, there'll be a few reflection points to ponder for women around their relationships and how they can, I guess, put into practice the things that you've highlighted. But if I could ask you to just pray protection over the women, that would be absolutely i'd love to in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen come holy spirit lord jesus we thank you so much for this sacred precious joyful season of advent the season of waiting and delight as we just look with anticipation in your arrival we ask for your blessing protection over all of the women who are watching and listening to this today we ask for your blessing over their heart over their families over their relationships all of the pieces that they are looking after and taking care of as they prepare for christmas lord we ask that you are just so present tangibly so to them during this season and they arrive at your birth at Christmas, feeling refreshed, joyful, and ready to welcome you to their lives again. Amen. Well, ladies, I hope that that talk by Megan has really invited you into a space of reflection, a reflection on what your values are, what your needs are, and perhaps the steps that you're going to take to really honor the image of God within you and the image of God within those people around you this Christmas. To go a little deeper with this content and to reflect on how you can practically apply this in your life, I invite you to download the beautiful PDF Advent Journal that that we have created for you. Take this to prayer and really invite the Lord under the gaze of the Holy Spirit to reveal the areas in your life where he is inviting you into a deeper relationship with him and a deeper relationship of honoring yourself and those that you do life with. Next week, ladies, is our final week with Sister Mary Rachel. So until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.